Hello and welcome. You're listening to Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Let's get right into it with your co-hosts, Jason and Madeline. And thank you so much, Jenny. Welcome back, everyone, to a new episode of Do Less Bad. I'm Jason Anthoin, your co-host of this podcast. During the day, I run a firm called Audacity. We help companies inform, involve, and inspire their employees. You can find out more at thinkaudacity.com. I'm joined, as always, by podcast co-host Madeline Temple. Hello, Madeline. Hello, Jason. You are very peppy coming back from your vacation. I know. I'm so excited. I've, got, I've only had like a few hours to get back into my week after my holiday. So hopefully this energy will go to, I don't know, at least 30 more minutes. <laughs> <gasps> I like it. I'll take what I can get. Right. I'll take it. So for those of you wondering, I'm the brand strategist behind Collective Identity. And I tell companies how to talk about who they are and what they do to employees, customers, investors, partners, journalists, and six-year-olds. You can find out more at thecollectiveidentity.com. All right. Fantastic. So what all has happened while I was away and sort of ignoring things as much as I could? Well, only one thing would have happened. Yes. And today, even though you're going to think I'm linking it to something that's happening, I'm not. But, but... Today we're talking about leadership. What All is right. good leadership, bad leadership, and how do we define it or know it? Excellent. And for those of you wondering, this came about from an article in the Wall Street Journal a couple weeks ago. Mm. And since this article came up, I've been thinking about it sort of nonstop because I was so intrigued by it. <laughs> so we are going to be talking about it quite a bit. But one of the things that came to mind as we're talking about leadership what it looks like, what it feels like. It, I, I couldn't help but think about that famous quip on porn by Supreme Court Justice Potter Stewart, who said, I know it when I see it. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I may not know what it is, but I know what it ain't. Right? You know, I know it when I see it. And I thought, yeah, I think a lot of us can identify with that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, and as I was thinking about this topic, there are lots of, of different scholarly articles on leadership models, things like democratic leadership, mm-hmm. servant, coaching, affiliative, player coach. Right. And they're all important. I'm not knocking any of them. But gosh, you know, sometimes yeah, just get a bad apple. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Despite all the best training that people have supposedly received along their careers. You just get. And that's why this article in the Wall Street Journal was so fascinating to me. So this article came out in July, and it's about Ravi Salagram. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He is the CEO of Null Brands. And upon becoming CEO in 2019, he held a town hall meeting with his 30,000 employees, and one of his slides, an absolute masterclass in getting to the point and having impact, one of his slides said, no assholes, <laughs> which I thought was phenomenal. And no doubt his 30,000 employees felt the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and as I, I was thinking about no assholes, it, it got me to thinking about the real cost of bad leadership. And the real cost of leadership, because bad leadership can result 
in higher turnover. Just like I would say good leadership can result in lower turnover, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. it's it's two sides of the same coin with bad leadership, good leadership, right? A higher I, I'm wondering if if poorly run companies have higher medical insurance costs because employees are so stressed out. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I think it's a valid point, you know, that there's a lot of costs that, that crop up that don't show up on the balance sheet, but are definitely there. Usually, They're there. They're there in, in ways that we may not be thinking, oh, is that somehow tied to the effects of leadership, good or bad, good or bad? Yeah. And so uh, that's really what we're talking about today. What happens when you have in place a great leader? Likewise, what can happen when you don't? And so this whole thing around Newell, I I just loved what I was hearing about this article. And this, this I want to meet this man. I want to right. meet Ravi. Well, full disclosure, I, I ran comms at Newell for a couple of years. Um, and without going into a whole lot of detail, um, I'm fully aware of how the new CEO came into that role, why that was necessary, um, and where that slide came from. Um, and the reasons behind it. Um, and so, you know, we'll talk a good bit today about leaders and good traits and bad traits. I'm not necessarily talking about anyone that I've worked with at Newell or anywhere else for that matter. Um, but I think it bears mentioning that we, like you said earlier, we all know it when we see it. We know what good leadership is and we know when it's not there. And sometimes, the results are so good that you overlook things that you might not want to overlook. Other times, the results are dismal because of things like that, and that makes it a lot easier to make those kinds of decisions. But, you know, all told, if you think about that show on Apple TV, Ted Lasso, that that is a masterclass in leadership and coaching and getting the best uh, out of people and, and being sort of an empathetic type leader. And so if you've thought about watching it and you think, I don't really care of anything about sports or football or soccer, that's only tangentially what that show is about. It's about leadership and, and getting the best out of people. And I'm a weepy person. I get weepy every Friday when I watch Ted Lasso because there's such fantastic lessons in there that we all could learn from about how to treat people and how to get the best out of them, not because that's what you demand, but because that's what they demand of themselves. And, and there's a lot of great examples in there about how to do that. So, so anyway, all that to say, we're going to cover a lot today around leadership. So... None of those examples are necessarily anybody that I've worked with, um, but they'll all be things that we recognize. We're all going to recognize them. And I think what I liked how the Wall Street Journal article started out because in 2019, Noel Browns was debt laden, it was losing sales, it was struggling through yet another restructuring. And when I think about companies that are struggling, through management issues, the losing sales, the restructurings, that there, there seems to be a sort of rhythm to it, right? Going, mm -hmm. oh yeah, here we go again. Yeah, it happens. It, it, and it's almost becomes sort of self-fulfilling where it starts happening. And then, you know, in my sort of redneck way of saying things, you find yourself in a vortex of crap that just keeps circling downward and downward and downward. And the further it circles downward, the harder it is to climb out of that thing. Yeah. 
it, it does become self-fulfilling, that, that vortex, and it will only pull you further down. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, what I loved about the article was then when they said that Sologram came in, so 2019, since then the company's share price is up about 33%, um, and which is more than any other consumer products companies over the same period. Uh, but what I what I thought was so fascinating was they're talking about how executive infighting and fear among employees, it's it's night and day from what it was. The tango bureaucracy, it's gone. And part of that is, guess what? When you put up a slide that says no assholes, and you actually hold people responsible for behavior, guess what? Yeah. Things change. Exactly. You know, you're supposed to be able to go to your leaders and say, I'm having a challenge here, or I'm not quite sure how to do this, or, you know, what what what, what should be the best path that we should pursue? That door should always be open. That conversation should always be a good one. And many times uh, in, in most organizations, it is not. Um, you know, the different leaders have different approaches. Um, some welcome that. Some feel challenged by that. Some do everything they can to make sure that they're squashing any of that sort of thinking out of the box, even though they say it and it's on the walls and, I, you know, ideation is the wave of the future. <clears throat> but when it comes right down to it, only one person is really allowed to have good ideas. And if it's not that person, then it's not a good idea and we don't want to hear it. And it happens yeah. everywhere. It happens everywhere all the time. Well, what I especially loved, uh, according to the article, was that Upon arriving at Newell, the CEO, Sologram, spent about three months just touring the company's global operations, talking to workers and managers about their reviews, reading Glassdoor website reviews. Mm -hmm. And I love this quote, the employees were pleading, right, do something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And kudos to him. He sat there. When I say he took it on the chin, I meant... I mean, he didn't cause this, right. but he did have to clean up the mess. Right. And, you know, that if you look at a lot of companies, you know, who are kind of going through a turnaround, <clears throat> a lot of those CEOs who get brought in like that and, and their other executives uh, are there to kind of clean up a mess. Some messes are bigger than others. And, you know, to, to a lot of people's credit, they don't spend a whole lot of time looking in the rearview mirror. They want the whole organization looking out the windshield. And so, yes, we can acknowledge that stuff behind us, you know, like he did on this tour and at the town hall. You've got to do that. That's the only way you can move forward. But you've got to spend the majority of your time looking out the windshield, where we're going, how we're going to get there, how we're all going to pull together to make this happen. Because um, otherwise, you, you just spend the entire time looking in the rearview mirror and wondering why and how and who and all those things. That's a fool's errand. You're wasting all your time trying to rehash the past, and it's the past. Let's just look at the, the future and just keep moving forward. So kudos to all the leaders who do that. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I do think, as it was shown, you know, it starts with listening, right? And you have to acknowledge what happened, but to your point, then you, you move forward. You can't change the past, but you can change the future. That's right. And, I, you know, to this day, I mean, I have a number of clients, and every time I'm with them, um, whether they're longstanding clients or even new ones, the conversation ultimately gets around to, hey, is there anything we can do about our glass door ratings? 
can you take a look at those? And I said, I'll be glad to take a look at them. But I don't even have to take a look at them because I can guarantee you that 90% of the reviews on your glass on your glass door have something to do with the fact that they feel like their manager treated them like crap. Yeah, there's some stuff in there about, I wish I made a million dollars a minute and why can't we have hamburgers instead of hot dogs? Of course, that's 10% at most. The other 90%, it is because that relationship is broken. And so if you truly you know, want to fix that, then you've got to help some of these leaders up or you've got to help them out because that's the only way it's, it's going to get fixed. And it's not about, you know, maybe we could get all of our employees to go in there and write good reviews. Yeah, that's exactly what it will look like that you did. But the, you want to fix the root of the problem, which is 90% of the people say they had a bad experience with their manager. Not all of them are crazy and making up stuff. So let's look at what those problems are and figure out how to help those people up or help them out because that's what's dragging you down. It, it does remind me of... You know, the truism, do unto others as you'd have done unto you, something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I do appreciate that there are people who will say, I was in a bad experience, or I experienced XYZ, therefore you're going to experience the same thing, right? <laughs> isn't, that what the whole pre isn't that what medical school is predicated on? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> all the previous doctors had to suffer through it, so now all of you med students are going to have to suffer through it the same way. <laughs> As well, and you go, well, that, that's certainly a management technique. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then there's the opposite one where you say, I experienced this stuff, didn't particularly like it, uh -huh. And you know what? I'm not going to do that. Yeah, there's got to be a better way. And let's find it let's together. Find it. Yeah. Let's, let's find do that. It together. Yeah, yeah. That's an important point. And I, I don't know for a fact that that's what he did as he came into Newell. But at the same time, he seemed pretty direct. If you've got issues, talk to me about them. Right? If If he's looking at his senior team and some of the people aren't fitting in with his new philosophy, guess what? He did usher out some of the senior executives he did yeah yeah and you know new investors they did the same thing at the board level as well and so sometimes you know that's what it takes i've got a client who's um a pharmaceutical company and they brought in a new ceo um a year ago two weeks ago and she spent the first two weeks meeting with every single employee in the company now there's only 150 uh, roughly, um, at the time, but she sat down with every single one of those employees um, and just wanted to know what was good, what was bad, what their opinions were on things, what solutions to any of those challenges might be, and she, she ended every single conversation with this question, if you were the CEO, what would you do? And she got 150 fantastic answers of exactly what it is that that organization need to be focused on. So shortly after that, she and her brand new leadership team could get together and have a vision and strategy session and map out the future of the company, not based on what six people sitting in a hotel room uh, with a crappy salad bar might think, but what 150 people who've been working in that organization much longer than any of them have think about what they ought to be doing and why they ought to be doing it. And, that it's, and a year later, the results speak for themselves. They, they've turned that thing completely around, and it's, it's been phenomenal to watch, simply because she and her other leaders asked and listened. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but sometimes it seems that when you do at, listen, ask, ask, listen, mm -hmm. when you publicly state no assholes, mm -hmm. when you... 
talk the talk and you walk it. Yeah. And people see that you are going to stand up for something that if you say, here's acceptable behavior, here's unacceptable behavior, and now we're going to do something about it. That's right. Well, you and I have talked about this on previous episodes, particularly around purpose, when companies go, ta-da, here's our purpose, and this is what we absolutely believe. And employees go, okay, but the very first time one of our suppliers is at odds with what this purpose is, what are you going to do, Mr. or Miss Company? And that's, that's, that's where it really sort of meets it. It's one thing to say, here's what we believe. It's another altogether to actually make decisions that support that. And so... It goes all the way down through leadership as well. It's a walking that talk kind of thing. It is, and it's funny you bring that up because, of course, that's in a way how this whole podcast, even the title itself, came up. People yeah. were saying, "I'm I want to do all these good things," and we're saying, "How about you just do a little bit less bad?" <laughs> yeah, instead of trying to take on all these new things that you want to do really well, which is admirable, by the way. Maybe first you start and think about how can we take all the things we're doing now and just do them a little bit less bad. You know, let's fix that first before we try and, and go to the moon. We can't go to the moon at all if we don't even know what rocket fuel looks like, you know. So it's just basic sometimes. It is basic. And while that wasn't stated overtly or at all in the article, it, it makes me think that's actually what this man did. At Newell, he came in and this is what he did. And that's, and apparently, I don't know him, I've never met him, I only know him by reputation. And that's apparently what he's done at previous stops as well. I mean, he's had other CEO roles where he's walked in and things weren't quite like they needed to be and he's walked out and they've been fantastic. You know, what, what, a, what a great way, what a great hallmark of leadership around how to just ask and listen and figure out what needs to be done and then, you know, by golly, execute against that. I, I particularly loved this part of the article, which I'll quote in a minute, but what got me about it was I didn't understand Wall Street would actually comment on this. Hmm. So in the article, it says, Wall Street analysts have applauded changes under Mr. Salagram. Newell, though facing daunting external pressures, is benefiting from, quote, added depth, amended corporate culture, and early stages of self-help, said a Jeffries analyst in a research note. And I went... My Wall Street does comment on this. <laughs> right. You know, that seems so foreign because, I don't know, three years ago, five years ago, you wouldn't hear that out of a Wall Street analyst probably. But how things have changed and, and the understanding that, that analysts and investors and others have about what makes a company tick and, you know, how culture is such an important part of that, employee experience. You know, we saw that, you know, when the business roundtable made that declaration around, oh, forever it's been shareholders first at the expense of everybody else. And there's more to it than just that. And and now that's really starting to, to really show up in places where you never thought it would, like on Wall Street and, and analyst comments about a company. They're looking at quarterly numbers and results, and they're tying that to the culture and the employee experience. <laughs> that's a win for everybody who has a job anywhere in this country or on the globe, you know, finally. Fine. I agree. And and I'm wondering, when did that change start? Hmm. I, I certainly have never followed Noel before. I didn't mm -hmm. know anything, or I knew very little about them prior to this. I had no knowledge about the CEO changeover. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. And I'm not remotely commenting on the former CEO who had left. I don't know anything about him or the story. But let's go back eight years, Mm ten years, and assuming Mm -hmm. that CEO was in power, was Wall Street commenting on the culture of the company? Yeah. Well, in that particular case, he he was not the CEO eight or ten years ago. There there have been a couple of others uh, during that time, but no. And and nor were they commenting on any other company that's publicly traded like right. that in that way because it was all about quarterly results and EBITDA and Kager and all those things that they use to measure the success of these organizations. And and now, um, now they realize it's more than that. It's it is it's still those things, but it's those things plus others. You know, it's kind of like the secret sauce that helps drive those important numbers and, and results that companies are looking for can't just you know can't yell at a flower and make it bloom what about a cactus <laughs> you could probably yell because <laughs> of a flower <laughs> what about, what about? no you're right you're right and it's i i think the title of the article itself was so fascinating so the title is a no jerks policy ignited morale at the company behind yankee candle mm-hmm. and I don't mean any offense to the CEO to Salagram. I'd never heard of him. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking I should have heard of him in, in the sense of going, here's a good guy. Here's somebody who came in and did the right thing. Yeah. Why, I think haven't, why haven't I heard about him before? I know. I, th- I think it was surprising for a lot of people maybe who don't, who don't follow particularly retail and consumer products and, and things that that were uh, that were in his past at, uh, at previous roles, but I think that's true at, for a lot of organizations. You know, there's a lot of sort of rock star CEOs who get a lot of press, and we can name them all. Um, sometimes they're doing a great job and kind of deserves that. Sometimes, you know, they've got a really good marketing machine behind them and <laughs> makes things appear maybe better than than maybe what they are. But there's a lot of, of really good leaders, you know, for very large companies or just the, you know, the dry cleaner down the street from where you live. There's a ton of people who are really good at leading um, and being excellent um, at coaching and getting the best out of people to drive the results that they need. That we've never heard of. They don't get the press. They don't. They're not rock stars. They just quietly go about their business, and the results speak for themselves. And they know that at the end of the day, if everybody feels good about what they're doing and why they're doing it, then they've done a good job. And there's more ways to measure that than quarterly results and EBITDA and synergies. I agree. And as I'm thinking about the CEO and and my reaction to the article, because obviously we're doing a podcast about this article. But I'm thinking, I'm not somebody who's a starstruck kind of person. I don't care about that kind of thing. And my reaction to this article was, I want to meet that guy. <laughs> right. I would actually like to meet that guy. Yeah, it's just, it's. I think it's a, a really good story, you know. And I think there's just, there's a lot of people who work there who've either been there or they could be there for five minutes. Um, who are the beneficiaries of the, of those things? And it makes a difference, you know, I've other employers where I've worked before uh, from the outside people go oh that place that that's where leaders are that's where leaders get developed Um, and I think you know for a couple of those places yeah that was probably true for a while but while I was there that was 
we were eat, we were drinking our own Kool-Aid when it came to that type of stuff. And there were a lot of people who confused being a jackass with being a leader. And a lot of them got promoted because of that. And at some point, those chickens are going to come home to roost. And for one company in particular, that's exactly what happened. Uh, quite an embarrassing sort of downfall for them. Um, and hollowing out, really, of all of that sort of construct that led them down that wrong path. And new CEO, new leaders, you know, a lot of new things going on there that are really trying, you know, really turning that company around. And so I, I think sometimes things just aren't what they seem. And if you scratch the surface a little bit or experience that yourself, you can kind of see through it and... The good news is, is that when they recognize that, they are able to make that turnaround. They are able to start moving in a different direction and achieve the progress and the success that they know they're all capable of because they're not being held back um, by all of this written and unwritten sort of behaviors and policies and culture that <clears throat> did nothing but put a lot of money in some people's pockets and while the others kind of trudged forward. Indeed. <laughs> and with that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode. So our top three key thoughts we've had from this episode. I'll say following, you can agree or disagree with me, Jason, although we all know you're going to agree with me. <laughs> right. But to, to quote you, ask and listen. <laughs> ask yeah. employees what's going on. Listen to what they have to say. And then I'd say, do something about it. That's right. Well, some action. In January of 2020, I did my first uh, conference um, that I put on myself after having spoken at dozens of conferences over the last couple of years. And it was called What Employees Want. And that was the whole construct of it, which was don't just sit around and try to figure out what kind of communications you need or what kind of culture or what kind of employee experience that can be driven by HR I'm sure all of those people who do that have really good ideas. But the way to have a better idea is just ask their ask your employees what it is they want. They'll tell you. They're glad to tell you. And you can't do it on a survey because they're going to lie. That's just human nature. Of course they're going to say they're engaged. they got two kids in college and a mortgage. Of course they're <laughs> engaged. Ask them five minutes later, their answer might be different. So the best way to know what to do is just ask, ask and listen, and then act on those things. Absolutely. With that, I'll take us quickly into two and three. Two, I'm going to stick with the old quote, do unto others as you'd have done unto you. Right. <laughs> Treat others how you want to be treated. I know. And that's always been a mystery to me my whole career. 32 years I've asked this question. At what point in your career do you lose touch with reality? Because at one point you were a entry-level person who looked up at the leaders and thought, why are they making those kind of decisions? Why are they acting like that? When I get up there, I, things are going to be different. I am not going to do that. And then 10, 15, 20 years later, people get up there and they act like that. Why? Why is that? At what point do you lose touch with reality? And thankfully, over the last couple of years, people have begun to really contemplate that. And they, they're getting back in touch with reality and they're really, you know, making decisions the way they would have made them if they were put in charge the very first day in their very first job. And thankfully for that, and that will actually take us to number three, which is implement a no asshole policy and hire for it and fire for it. 
<laughs> That's right. I mean, it's one thing to say, we're not going to hire any asses around here. But then what are you going to do with the ones that you already have? I mean, like we said earlier, you, you got to train them up or help them out the door. And sometimes that's painful, particularly if one of those people is the best salesperson or runs the most successful business unit. There are a ton of hard costs, hidden costs around those things that will take those big old numbers and whittle them way down because, you know, other things that are going on that negate whatever the positive that you might think is happening by tolerating that type of behavior. So Absolutely. it's just the kind of thing that you just have to rip the Band-Aid off and keep going forward. You do. And that wraps up this week's episode. So thank Great. you for listening, for all your comments, suggestions. Keep them coming through social, email, smoke signals, whatever you want. Head over to dolessbad.com, or you can also reach us on Twitter and Instagram at do underscore less underscore bad with any questions, comments, whatever you want. All righty. Well, hopefully I skillfully danced around all of our topics today. If not, I'm sure I'll be hearing from <laughs> some of the people who might need to reach out. Um, but thank you for listening. We appreciate it as always. Um, as Madeline said, if you've got any thoughts or questions, feel free to reach out to us. Otherwise, um, we've got a next episode coming up in two weeks and we will talk with you then. All right, Jenny, take us out. You've made it through another episode of Do Less Bad, that podcast about how companies can do less bad in order to do more good. Check us out at dolessbad.com. Until next time, stop fretting over doing more good and just do less bad. Bye.